You're listening to Ari Goldweg's Parsha Podcast, recorded with God's help in Ramapi Shemesh, Israel, 5768-2007. This week's Parsha is Parsha Chaye Sarah. In this week's Parsha, we have an incredible account of Hashgacha Pratis, of divine providence, something that literally molded the lives of our forefathers. Avram Avinu has lost his dear wife Sarah, and he realizes that now it's time, in order for Klai Yisrael, for the people of Israel to continue for the progenitor of Klai Yisrael, Yitzchak, to continue in the work of creating Klai Yisrael, it's time for Yitzchak to find a wife. Now he turns to his servant Eliezer, a, a faithful servant, a servant who has served him for many, many years, has become a great man, just like his master Abraham. Avram turns to Eliezer and says to him, I need you to go and find a wife for my son Yitzchak. And he says to Eliezer, I don't want you to take a woman from the land of Canaan, from the land where we are, I want you to go back to my family, to go back to Padan Aram, where I came from, and I want you to find someone from my family, a woman of special character traits, a proper woman for my son Yitzchak, who will carry on the line of the people of Israel. And Eliezer swore to him that he would only take a, a woman for Yitzchak, his son, from his family and not from the people of Canaan. And the Torah continues and tells the story, and the unbelievable thing is that the Torah not only tells the story, the Torah repeats the story. Because it shows how delicious, how chaviv, how dear the story of the Avos, even the slave of the Avos, a slave of one of our forefathers was Tashem. And the Torah describes how Eliezer went, and first of all he had kvitzas haderach, which means that he got to Padan Aram in an immensely short amount of time. And on the way, he says to God, he says, God, God of Abraham, Please do chesed, do kindness for my master Abraham. And please fulfill the following condition. And Eliezer said an incredible thing. He said to God, when I get to Padan Aram, when I come to the place where Abraham grew up, I want you, God, to set up for me a whole, a whole scenario. And Eliezer was very specific with what he said. He said, I want, I want to find a woman there. I'm going to ask her for a drink. She's going to give me a drink. And not only that, she's going to offer a drink for all my camels. Now Eliezer had 10 camels, and each camel, says Rav Victor Miller, is able to drink as much as 30 people, which means that he expected someone who would serve 300 people, as if it was nothing. That was the request of Eliezer. As soon as he walks into Padan Aram, he sees a beautiful girl coming, a very young maiden. The Torah says she hadn't been married yet, she hadn't been with a man. And he sees her coming, and he quickly runs over, and he says to her, Would you please give me a drink? And she, she runs, everyone, it's amazing because you read the story and everyone's running because everyone's so anxious to do mitzvahs. Everyone, Eliezer is anxious to find the right woman for Yitzchak and Rivka is anxious to do the mitzvah of chesed. She runs, she grabs the water from the well, she brings it to Eliezer. She says, not only do I want to give you water, I want to give all of your camels water. And Eliezer is just standing there, humbled by the scene. Unbelievable chesed, unbelievable kindness that God has. And when Rivka finishes, Eliezer gives her earrings, a nose ring, and he asks her, is there a place for me to sleep in your house? Who are you? What's your family name? And she says, I'm the daughter of Milka, who is married to Besuel, from the family of Nachor, and that was Avramavinu's brother. At which point Eliezer bows down to Hashem in thanks for the incredible kindness of God. Now the story is 
unbelievable hashgacha pratis, unbelievable divine providence from beginning to end, every step of the way. Hashem is clearly helping Avram Avinu Abraham and clearly helping his servant Eliezer. To the, to the point that when, when Eliezer tells the story of what happened to Lavan, and the Torah repeats the entire story again, when he tells Lavan and Besuel, Lavan was Rivka's brother, Besuel was her father, when he repeats the whole story, they say, wow, this is the hand of God. It's obvious that the hand of God is present here. And they were ready, obviously they were impressed by the wealth as well, but they were ready to send off Rivka, Rebecca, to marry Isaac. What I'd like to focus on in this story is the response of Lavan and Besuel. In chapter 24, verse 50, the verse says that both Lavan and Besuel answered and they said, Mehashem This manner came from God. We can't say anything evil or good. Meaning, we are not, obviously, we are not players in this matter. It's clear that everything that happened is from Hashem. Now, I'd just like to pose to you a question, which I think the answer is quite obvious, but to get to the point that I'd like to get to, at least hear out the question. The question is that we know that later on in the Parsha, later on in the Parshios, so Lavan is the father of Rivka and Leah, and you have Yaakov, Yaakov comes to, their, comes to Lavan's house, and you see that clearly Lavan is not a righteous person. Lavan is far from anything righteous. He's a trickster. And when Yaakov realizes that it's time to get out of there, he takes Rachel and Leah and his children, and they run away, and they, they distance themselves as far as they can from Lavan. But Lavan finds out and he catches up to them. And when he's making a swear to Yaakov, he, he swears in the name of the God of Nahor, and that's God with a lowercase g, and the God of Avraham. Which means that despite the fact that Lavan saw clearly, explicitly, Me'ashem Yotzah Hadavar, Everything here has come from Hashem. Despite that, he still was able to associate himself with a different God. What's the pshat? How could someone who sees God's hand so clearly, sees that God is intimately involved in a story, in a story of his life, how could he go in the next moment, or I mean, it's, it was many years later, but how could he go and say that there are other gods? To answer this question, I'd like to share with you something very fundamental, and that is the difference between bitachon and amuna. Bitachon means faith. Emuna also seems to mean faith. However, we find the word emuna used in interesting places. For example, as Rabbi Kiva Tatz points out, the verse says in regards to Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses was on top of the mountain and the people were fighting a war with Amalek, it says that his hands were emuna ad boker. His hands were faith, literally, until the morning. Now there it doesn't seem to really make sense that his hands were faith. What does that mean his hands were emuna? So the explanation that's given is that bitachon, the idea of trust in God, bitachon, faith in God, is that we understand and we know and we've internalized that God is taking care of us and that He cares about us and He's on top of everything that we do and He's on top of taking care of us at every moment. That's bitachon, when we have that recognition. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us an incredible gift, and the gift is called Bechira, free will. And part of this gift is that even when we know something is true, even when we intellectually, and it could be we even emotionally understand something to be true, we can still do something which is the exact opposite of what we know. Emuna, the word Emuna means being faithful. Emuna means being faithful to what we know is true. That's why it says that Moshe Rabbeinu's hands were emuna, 
They were faithful. They weren't faith. They were faithful because he was able to hold them up. He was able to hold them up. And the mission in Rosh Hashanah, it's very important, this, this whole incident with Moshe Rabbeinu will really shed light on our whole understanding of Bitachon and Amuna. Because there's a mission in Rosh Hashanah, on page 29a, and the Mishnah says, what's going on with the story of Moshe Rabbeinu? Here we have Amalek, Amalek came to fight against the Jews. And the Torah there tells us that what was the secret of success for the Jews in the war against Amalek? Whenever Moshe would hold his hands up to the sky, to the heavens, they would succeed. And whenever his hands would become too heavy and they would fall, they would start to lose. The Mishnah says, shal Moshe osos Were the hands of Moshe waging war? That whenever his hands would be up, they would win and his hands would be, fall down, he would lose, they would lose? What does it mean? What's the understanding of these verses? What's the lesson? And the Mishnah says, it's not true. It's not just because of his hands. But the pshat is, the understanding is that whenever Moses would raise his hands up to the heavens, the people of Israel would look to his hands and they would look beyond his hands and they would realize that everything that was happening was coming from God. And as soon as they had that recognition, God would be on their side and they would, he would help them and they would win. And as soon as his hands would fall, the eyes of Israel would fall and they would forget, they would lose that consciousness of the fact that God was the one who was winning the war for them. Now, Emunah, being faithful to what we know, that's what the people of Israel had. Whenever Moses' hands were lifted to the heavens, they saw, they knew, and they were faithful to the fact that God was the only one that could help them and the only one that could save them. And that's what saved them. Because when, when we have faith and we are faithful to God, God takes care of us. That's the difference between bitachon, having intellectual or even an emotional understanding, and emunah, which means being faithful to that which we know. Now let's come to back to Lavan, and then I want to apply it to us. Lavan, he didn't have, what did he have? He saw something happen, and what did it do? It grazed his cerebellum. It, it grazed his brain, and it affected him zero. He saw the hand of God. He said, Min Hashem This came from God. It didn't affect him, didn't change him, didn't change his outlook in life. It could be he knew that God was there, but there was no commitment from him. There was nothing that was going to change his way of thinking, his way of acting. And that's why later on, Lovin could say, the God of Nahor, lowercase g, the God of Abraham, he could put them, heaven forbid, lahavdil, he could put them in the same sentence. Because for him, what he saw was irrelevant. The fact that God was constantly helping Jacob, even within his house, irrelevant, didn't affect him, didn't make a difference in his life. There are so many times in our lives that God is sending us messages, so many messages. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says that every single thing that a person sees in his life, every single thing that passes in front of his eyes is a message from God. If you see someone getting angry at someone else, it means that you have to work on your anger. If you see someone doing a, doing a kind deed for someone else, it means that you have to do kind deeds as well. This is something I may have mentioned before. The point is that everything that happens is a message from God. And it could be that we even see the messages and we even it grazes our cerebellum. But if we don't act on it and we don't make ourselves greater and we're not faithful to that realization, it's not worth anything. And that's the message that we have to take out of this parsha. Min Hashem Everything that happens is from Hashem. Everything is a lesson. When we see the, the twin towers falling down, 
It's a lesson. There's a message there. It's saying that physicality, we must break our physicality. Physicality is meaningless. Only coming close to God is meaningful. When we see what's going on in Israel, the government of Israel has no idea what it's doing. Constantly giving into the Arabs. The Arabs take a foot, they take a leg, they take an arm, and then they just try to kill us more. But the government doesn't see it. They're blinded to the messages. God is sending us messages because this fight is not about between us and the Arabs. This fight is about us and God. When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, God sets our enemies upon us. We have to look at ourselves and ask, our, ask ourselves, what's really important to us? Is it really important to us, our relationship with God? Or is it more important what our car looks like, what our house looks like, how much money is in our bank accounts, how, how much we can impress our boss? What's really important to us? Is the relationships that we have with our, with our spouse, with our children, is that the most important thing to us? Is our focus on being good people, raising ourselves to be greater people, to be more humble, to be more connected to God, to be greater givers, is that our focus? Or is all of our worries about physical things? If our worries are about physical things, Hashem is going to say, you can stay with your physical things. The only way we can connect to God is if we try our hardest to connect to God. But it's not even enough to try to connect to God because we need to connect to God the way He told us to connect to God. God revealed to us on Mount Sinai exactly what He wants. And it was given over in the tradition, in the oral tradition, in the written Torah, the oral tradition from our rabbis, sage after sage, coming down to today. And you can only find it in the Gemara, in the Talmud, in the Halacha, in the, in the Shulchan Arach. That's the only way to find out what God wants from us. And we have to be steadfast and know that if we really try and we really return to God in truth, that He will protect us and He will save us from all evil. And God willing, I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should see Mashiach come in a very easy way, not in a difficult way. Because if we all do tshuva, if we encourage our friends to do tshuva, to connect to God instead of trying to run away from God and to stop running after physicality, then we have a chance. We have a chance of making the world a better place I want to wish you a very good Shabbos. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me, arigoldwag at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening. Baruch Hashem, I want to tell you, we have over 200 downloads of this podcast this week, this past week of Ayera. And each week it's just getting more, Baruch Hashem. I want to thank God for that. I want to thank you guys who are listening. And keep listening. And I hope that these messages touch your soul, touch your heart. And I hope that you continue to grow in your relationship with God. Good Shabbos.